Welcome to the Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church podcast, your place for positive, uplifting messages of hope. If you'd like to learn more about the church, you can feel free to drop by fredericksdachurch.org. Now here's Pastor Robert Quintana with today's message. It was September 19, 1997. I was in my dorm room when a good friend of mine uh, walked in and he said, have you heard the news? And I looked at him and I said, I guess not. And uh, he said, he said, Q, it's just bad news. And uh, he shared with me the tragic news of um, Rich Mullins passing. Um, that night he was headed up to a benefit concert when his Jeep um, flipped, rolled over. Um, he was thrown from the vehicle. And uh, somewhat graphic, a little bit here, but uh, he was hit by a semi-truck and he was killed instantly. Now, for those of us that were huge Rich Mullen fans, of course, it hit us like a ton of bricks. Um, I remember for days I was kind of in a little haze. Just, it, it can't be. How can Rich Mullins be gone? And some of you might not even know or recognize the name Rich Mullins. Rich Mullins is probably um, one of the Uh, most influential um, musicians, songwriters of our time, of our age. You might not not remember or recognize his name, but you certainly would recall or recognize some of his songs. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns in heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. Maybe you've sung it and you didn't know that it was rich. But uh, Rich uh, definitely influenced the, the, the world of Christian contemporary music. And I would encourage you, if you've never heard any of his songs, to go pick up an album. Because um, the way that he could bring together uh, poetry, songwriting, and songs together was just, it was masterful. It was just beautifully done. And uh, it was obviously a big hit um, to the Christian contemporary world. And immediately, you know, there were blogs and the news and, and people just talking about how can this be? How can Rich Mullins be gone? And I remember um, the days that followed um, just kind of looking up a little bit about his life and, and how he lived. And the legacy that he's left behind is, is really uh, next to none. The way that he has influenced um, dozens of musicians. Um, and I remember... Uh, reading a little bio on his life and how he was living his life um, there towards the end is just really remarkable. Um, Sold hundreds of thousands of albums. Um, By all accounts, he could have been a millionaire, but he chose not to be. In fact, he chose that all the proceeds of his records and all the proceeds of his concert would go to charity. And he chose to be paid by his local church an average American wage, and at this time he was living in, in Wichita, and so, you know, thirty, dollars $40,000 is what he chose to live off in a year, which is quite different in today's day and age. You have musicians, you have artists, and God has blessed them tremendously, and they live lavishly, and I don't want to say that everyone lives that way, but certainly, you know, they have the cash, and that's how they live, but not Rich Mullins. 
Rich Mullins decided to take a vow of humility, take a, a vow of poverty, some would say, and just live very simply, and all the proceeds would go to the charity. He would spend most of his time at an Indian reservation just helping out the down and out, the needy, the disenfranchised, those that were struggling with alcohol addiction or domestic violence. That's how he spent most of his time was helping out those in need. And when I look at the life of Rich Mullins, I look and I see a man who, with the resources that he had, he made it count. And that's kind of what I want to talk to you about here today and for the next several times that we're together is making it count. You see, because when we talk about stewardship, it's not really about acquiring more. It's really not about having more. When we talk about stewardship, it is about what we have making it count. I grew up in a home, and some of you might be able to relate to this, but I grew up in a home where we made everything count to the last penny and to the last drop. Toothpaste, for instance, we squeezed the toothpaste, you know, tube all the way to the very end and we would roll it up and we would squeeze it. And just when you thought you couldn't get any more, we would pull out the scissors. <laughs> we'd cut the edge of the end of it. We'd come down the edge. Can anybody relate to this? You open it up like you peel back a banana and you grab your toothbrush and you just dig that little bit out, making it count to the last drop. To the day she died, Heather's grandmother would have a little can of oil next to her stove. And she would use that oil. She'd cook whatever. She'd fry up some eggs. And, and then she would take out, you know, the, the residue, the, the thing, you know, the, the burnt. And then she would take that oil and she'd, she'd pour it back into the can, just making it count to the very last drop. Now, going back to my childhood, I remember uh, squeezing um, fresh made orange juice on Sunday mornings. And I remember the first time that I got it, you know, I got the... Uh, tasked with squeezing the orange juice for breakfast. And we had that juicer. You remember, it's kind of like a little cone thing. And I I grabbed, you know, I cut all my oranges. I took one half and I pressed it on there, put it to the side. Grabbed another one, pressed it, put it to the side. Grabbed another one, pressed it, put it to the side. Until my father came along and he said, what are you doing? I said, what do you mean what I'm doing? I'm making orange juice. He says, no, what are you doing? There's so much orange juice left in these halves. I said, what do you mean? I already, I already squeezed them. He says, no, there's much more. And so he grabbed it and he showed me. And he just pressed and he torqued and he just rubbed it all the way. And then he, he removed it and he says, see, that's what it should look like. And there was not a drop of orange juice in that half. And I wasn't as strong as him, so it would take me, you know, twice as long to just press and press and press and press. You see, when we talk about stewardship, it's not about acquiring more. It's about making the best of what we have. In other words, the resources, the gifts, the talents that we have is making it count. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 25. We're not going to spend too much time 
on this parable, but I want to read it to you because it is a common parable that we always, you know, bring up when we talk about stewardship, but it brings home the point of making it count or make it count. Matthew chapter 25, I'm reading from the New King James Version today. Matthew chapter 25, starting there with verse 14. And it says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey when he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. He took the five talents that God had given him or that the Lord had given them and he made it count. He made it count. Uh, Read verse 21. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also who had, he also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. What did he do with his two talents? He made it count count. And it says here in verse 23, his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you have not made the best of what I have given you. You did not make it count. You took it and you buried it. It says here in verse 26, but his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you know that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers and at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. You see, when we're talking about stewardship, it's not about acquiring more or making more money or having more time or wanting to have more talents and more gifts. No, when we're talking about stewardship, it's all about what are we doing with what we have. And the point to this series is make it count. Whether you have five talents or you have one talent, make it count count. Whether you have a million dollars or a hundred dollars, make it count. Whether you have three spare hours or three spare minutes, make it count. Whatever situation you're in, 
Whatever scenario you might be involved in, whatever business transaction is at your doorstep, whatever you, it is that you are experiencing with your wife or with your children, make it count. Don't just let it waste away. But the one passage I really want to look at today, because just the intensity of this passage just, just grapples me, is found in the book of Romans. Romans chapter 13. I'd like for you to turn there with me. Matthew chapter 13. I want you to recognize the intensity in which Paul is speaking here. Romans chapter 13, starting with verse 11. And it says, And do this, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. And Paul wrote this some 2,000 years ago. Could you imagine if he was alive today? Could you imagine how he would reword this or how he would say it today? As he would look around our planet and he would realize that everything is set in place for the coming of our King, for the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Everything is set for Jesus Christ to come. Could you imagine how he would phrase this today? But back then, even then, it was eminent. He says, and do this, knowing the time that now it is High time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first begun. In other words, at the end of today, we are one day closer to the coming of Christ. And so Paul says, listen, take advantage of every moment, of every second. Take advantage of every dime, of every penny. Take advantage of every gift. Take advantage of every every interaction that you might have with your spouse, with your children. Take advantage of the time at your workplace, in your classroom, and make it count. Because when we talk about stewardship, my friends, it is about taking what we have been given and making it count. Making it count not only for the greater good of our community, but making it count ultimately for the honor and glory of Jesus Christ. Make it count. Now see, you might not have much, but that's okay. God says, whatever you have, make it count. You might be sitting here today and say, well, I don't have very many talents. I don't have many, many resources. I don't have much of anything. God says, okay, I recognize that. I realize that, that you don't have much. But what he is saying to you and to me today is whatever you have, make it count. You know, the Bible is full of stories of men and women who did just that, who took very little, but with the little they had, they made it count. And really, honestly, I could have closed my eyes and I could have opened the Old Testament and pointed somewhere and there would have been a story of a man or a woman who took what they had and made it count. But the one story that I want to look at, look at with you here today is found in the book of Daniel. I'd like for you to turn to the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1. Here we read the story of a young man who has nothing I mean, you might think, man, well, wait a second. Daniel had a lot, but in reality, Daniel had just been stripped away of everything. Daniel chapter 1. Here, Daniel has been taken captive to Babylon. 
He's been stripped away of everything. He's been stripped away of any future that he thought he might have as a Hebrew back in Israel. He's been stripped away of, of any future thoughts of, of an occupation or maybe a, a loved one that he had or a significant other. He's been stripped away of family, of financial resources. He's been stripped away of everything, even including his own name he's been stripped of. But here in Daniel chapter 1, starting with verse 5, it says, And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank, and three years of training for them, so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. Now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them, the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Here, Daniel does not have much, but what he does have is the knowledge of the God of Israel, and what he does have is an understanding of God's will for him as to how he ought to live his life. That's all he has. And you know what Daniel did with it? He made it count. Daniel very easily could have said, you know what, forget it. I am going to bury this knowledge that I have. And most of us would have been okay with that. Most of us would have been, you know what, you're down and out. You're captive. Go for it. I understand. You're justified in doing that. But Daniel did not do that. There he has absolutely nothing except the knowledge of a God and the purpose for his life. And instead of burying it, what does he do? He makes it count. Now, going back to the parable of the talents, uh, what, what happened to the servant who had five talents? What happened to the servant who took those five talents and made it count? What happened? God did what? Anybody. He multiplied it. He blessed it. Uh, what, what happened to the servant who had two talents? And, and he made those two talents count. What, what happened? God did what? He multiplied it. He blessed it. He gave them more. And here, Daniel takes his knowledge and he makes it count. He makes it count. He's been stripped away of everything except his knowledge of God and the purpose of God for his life. And what does he do with it? He makes it count. And as a result, God blesses him. Let's just finish the story here in verse 9. It says, Now God had brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my Lord, the king, who has appointed your food and drink. For why should we see your faces look worse than the young men who are your age? Then you would endanger my head before the king. And Daniel said, It's all right. I have this knowledge and I'm going to make it count because I know that when I take what God has given me, 
however small that might be, however insignificant you think that might be, when I take what God has given me and I make it count, the promise is that God will bless it and that God will multiply it. And so Daniel wasn't afraid. In verse 11, it says, So Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Put it to the test. Come on. We're going to make it count, and we'll see what God does with it. And let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be examined before you and the appearance of the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies and as you see fit, so deal with your servants. Verse 14, so he consented with them in this matter and tested them 10 days. Now, what do you think happened? Did God bless? Did God multiply? Did God see them through? Did they step out in faith and say, we're going to make what we have count? And they were left out there, hung out to dry? Absolutely not. You see, my friends, God has a habit. He has a reputation of standing up for those who are loyal to him. And when we take our gifts, when we take our resources, when we take our time and we say we are going to make this count for the greater good of the community, we're going to make this count ultimately for the honor and glory of God, God will come through for you. God will multiply. God will bless. And it says here in verse 15, and at the end of 10 days, there are Features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate the portions of the king's delicacies. Thus, the steward took away their portions of delicacies and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. Listen to verse 17. As for these four young men, God gave them knowledge, skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. When we talk about stewardship, it really is not about trying to acquire more. It's not about trying to make more money. It's not trying to to somehow figure out how we can have more time in the day. When we talk about stewardship, it really is all about what am I going to do with what I have? How am I going to leverage this time and make it count? How am I going to leverage this money and make it count? How am I going to leverage this interaction and make it count? How am I going to leverage this relationship and make it count? Now, you see, I've had a jump start on you, I admit. I've been thinking about this for now weeks And this one three-word phrase, make it count, make it count, has just been at the back of my mind in all my interactions as I go around town. I'm just thinking, make it count, make it count. And I'm telling you that this idea of making things count can radically change your life. Because all of a sudden, you do not see things the same way. All of a sudden, what you thought was important, now you see differently and you think, whoa, whoa, wait a second. I only have a few minutes here. I want to make sure that I make this count. 
Wait, wait, wait. I, I don't have that much money. I want to make sure that I make this count. And we become a lot less wasteful with our time and our talents and our money, and we become more intentional about what we do with our resources. And just the other day, I was here at the office, and and I had a bunch of stuff to do. I mean, I had some deadlines. uh, I had an appointment in the evening, and there were a bunch of errands that I had to run, and I was trying to get those things done before my appointments. And so just as I was getting ready to leave the office, someone walks in and starts chatting, starts talking to me. And for the first 30 seconds of that conversation, I kid you not, I was trying to close it. I was trying to, you know, bring it to an end, but I just, I wasn't having any success. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Q, make these few moments count. Just make it count. And I have to tell you, and I'm not sharing this to tell you that, that I'm so far along on this journey because for every one thing that the Lord reveals to me, there's like a thousand other things that I'm working on, okay? But, but just for, for that moment, I just felt such peace and, and just my, my soul was just settled. As I realized, you know what? I'm just going to take the time and I'm gonna, I'm gonna make these next few moments count. And and so what if I don't get to my errands? You know what? Maybe I can do that tomorrow. And I have to tell you, we just had the most lovely conversation. And it it really didn't last that long. But make it count. It helped me to be present. It helped me to be um, attentive to the need. And there are situations throughout our day where if you just let these three words ring in the back of your mind, make it count make it count, you're going to find yourself spending a little more time with your children. When your little girl comes to you and says, Daddy, Daddy, look what I just painted for you. Instead of just taking and say, oh, that's cute. And just putting it, you know, behind you on the desk, make it count. Take the time to look at it. Take the time to pick her up in your arms and embrace her and just hug her and say, that is the most beautiful picture I've ever seen in my whole life. Just make those few moments count. The other day I was at Walmart. I'm telling you, just it, it can radically change your life. I was at Walmart. I was in the line and I saw that Snickers bar. And man, did it look Good. My mouth started to salivate a little bit. And as I was reaching for it, I heard the Holy Spirit. Make those 50 cents count. It's so simple. But just make those 50 cents count. It would have been so easy for me to just pick it up and just spent the 50 cents. But Instead, make those 50 cents count. And there are so many areas of life where I'm challenging you now to join me on this journey. Because the next few times that we're together, we're going to be talking about how we make things count in our lives. We're going to look at areas in our lives that, that you would have not otherwise looked at in the context of stewardship. You know, because oftentimes when we talk about stewardship, we think of money right away, right? 
But there are so many other areas of life that if we apply this small little principle, make it count, you will see how it will radically change things in your life. You might sit down in front of the computer. You might sit down in front of the TV and you'll hear the Holy Spirit speak to you and say, make these few moments ahead of you count. Don't waste it away. Make the next hour of your life count. Pick up a book, do the dishes, maybe vacuum the house, maybe tell your son, hey, let's go outside and throw some ball. You know, there you might be in the workplace and you might be frustrated and somebody comes into your office to talk to you and you might be at your wit's end and do you have deadlines and something? Just hear those words, make it count. Make it count and engage that person that's come to your office for some reason. Make it count. You might hear it when, when you think of you're, coming, you're coming home from work and you might think, you know what? I'm going to stop by. I'm going to get a car, get some flowers because I'm going to make tonight count with my spouse. There are so many areas of life that we can apply this. And I want to challenge you to join me on this journey. As the next several times that we get together, I want this saying to just ring in the back of our minds. Make it count. Make it count. Because when we talk about stewardship, folks, it's not about getting more or acquiring more. It really comes down to what are we doing with what we have. The only verse in Scripture you might know is... For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him may perish, may not perish but have everlasting life. That might be the only verse you know. You know what? Make that verse count. Share it with someone. Uh, don't, don't fall back and say, oh man, if only I knew more. If only I had a better handle on scripture. You know, once I, I get to an understanding of, of, of a better handle on scripture and giving Bible studies, then I'm going to share. No, 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 no. Because when it comes to stewardship, it boils down to what are you doing with what God has already given you. So I want that, those three words, I want those three words to just ring in the back of your mind for the next several times that we're together, for the next several weeks that we're together. Just think about, make it count, make it count, ultimately for the honor and glory of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. No matter where you are in your spiritual journey, Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church would love to help you along the way. We are a family-oriented, grace-filled church serving the Frederick, Maryland area. You can feel free to learn more about us at fredericksdachurch.org. For more podcasts, click on Sermon Audio.